0: Let's clap our hands just one more time. Can you do it tonight? Hallelujah. Like he deserves and like you mean it. Hallelujah. Put some, put some words with it. Thank you, Jesus. Express your gratitude and appreciation to be in the best place on the face of the earth, the house of God. Hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout amen. Can you see it in Jesus' name. Amen. What an honor it is to be in the greatest place in the face of the earth. And that is in the house of God. Amen. I wouldn't take this for nothing in the world. Amen. Never want to take for granted where I'm at right now. Amen. We could be anywhere else in the world tonight, but nothing better to be in the house of God. It's so good to be in Bakersfield. This is for our, my first time here, our first time here. Uh, I've been to California three times altogether. And this is my first time here. Get acquainted real quickly. Brother Bradford, thank you so much for allowing me to come. Uh, this is a church with a great legacy all over the United States of America. It's an honor to, st- to step in here. Uh, but I've been to Brazil, South America, since I was 17 and a half, like Pastor Bradford just mentioned. And I was called at a very young age, very young. And I was born and raised in Pentecost, and there's nothing greater than that. And I'm originally from Indianapolis, Indiana, Midwest, uh, where the Indy 500 is. Never went in that place just a couple blocks down the road. But uh, I'm an only child, born in Pentecost, raised on the evangelistic field, and then my dad pastored a home missions work as well. But at the young age of 17 years old, went to Brazil, South America, and I've been there ever since. Now I'm 45 years old. I never dreamed, Pastor Bradford, that I would live out of the country. I had the... American dream, and the American dream for a Midwestern boy was to have a bass boat and go fish down in Texas, because Midwest don't have bass, and then have a bunch of shotguns and had a lot of deers on the wall, deer or deers, however you say that. But my dream was not fulfilled. Don't have a bass boat, don't have the Ford Mustang 5.0 that I wanted, convertible. But to be in the center of God's will is the greatest place to be no matter where it is, where God has placed you. <laughs> Amen. And our, <clears throat> and our dreams can become our nightmares if God is not in the center of it all. Amen. And so went to Brazil, South America, 17 and a half. i make a long story short to not take a lot of time. Uh, was there for two years. I learned the Portuguese language in 90 days. Now, that was not Rosetta Stone or Babel <laughs> as you have today. That was called Jehovah Rock instead of Rosetta Stone. Divine intervention. I took six years of Spanish in school, went to Mexico a couple of times when I was younger. So that facilitated me learning the Portuguese language. Today I speak Portuguese. It's my first language. English is actually my second, I think, in Portuguese and translate that into English. So Portuguese is my first language. Learned Portuguese in 90 days. And then at 19 and a half years old, Brother Garrett, I saw this young beautiful brazilian young lady looking at me (coughs) and my heart would pound fast and she she, when i looked at her i don't know what her heart did i still don't know after 25 years but (coughs) she didn't have a heart attack that's all i know but uh make a long story short we got married and one day before i got married i talked to my dad i said you know dad i said i've been a a single cheeseburger long enough Dad. nobody eats single cheeseburgers anymore do you it's all doubles and triples and even quadruples at burger king and I said, you know, I've been a single cheeseburger long enough, I want to be a double cheeseburger. He said, you do. And I said, I found the right patty to make me a double cheeseburger. Amen. And so we are officially well done, but not done, finished 25 more years to go. Amen. So congratulations on being a double cheeseburger. Amen. We, are going, we do have happy, two Happy Meals now as well. So <coughs> Big kids meal and a Happy Meal. My boy is 20 years old and in college to be a dentist in Brazil, and then my daughter's 15. she thinks she owns and owns the roost. But uh, I'm glad I miss my family so much. can't wait to see them this coming Friday. I fly out for Brazil. But after we got married in August of 1998, become a double, double cheeseburger, on our honeymoon, I was 20 years old, and my wife was 22 years old. We went 44 hours northeast. And we took over a little church of six people. And my wife and I were the youth group. I was 20 and she was 22. And we had one 83-year-old man, a 73-year-old man, and a couple that was about 45, 50 years old. But the Bible does say, despise not the days of small things. And we started out with just six people all together. I knew what it was to be the janitor, the toilet cleaner, the pastor, the preacher, the visitor, everything. And so... Today, not not because of me, don't look at me, but because of God, because of what he can do with a willing vessel. Today, we now have 64, 65, 65 churches all together in eight different states and all over Brazil. To God be the glory. Amen. (laughs) Just dedicated a church last night in South Brazil. They baptized eight people, including a very, very well-known doctor in the city. And uh, eight people baptized last night in South Brazil. So God's doing great things. We just, uh, like I said, 65 churches all together. This year of 2024, we now have started four churches in the country of Brazil. And so God's doing great things. During the pandemic, Brother Luna, if I'm not mistaken, I heard uh, the one that got the Holy Ghost during the pandemic. Uh, God does great things during chaotic times. And during the pandemic in Brazil, we were shut down, kind of like America. But in Brazil, in some of our cities, we could not have in-person services at all. And we could be fined up to $2,500 per person if we did get caught. So we were having a lot of outdoor all-night prayer meetings at 1 o'clock in the morning when nobody would know where we are and what we were doing. No social distancing and uh, nothing like that. And one night, Brother Bradford, it was about 1.30 in the morning in my backyard under a jackfruit tree. One o'clock in the morning, we're having 50 people there praying, and all of a sudden, this little short lady, fireball, widow in my church, five foot one, little short lady, she taps you on the shoulder, and I look down at her and see her, and she says, Mission, she's trembling like a leaf shaking, and she says, Missionary, the Lord just told me to tell you that he is going to give you the nations as an inheritance. And I felt those doodads and those goosebumps, and I was like, wow. And I was like, man. I can't even leave the country right now. Let alone be the inheritor of the nations. But my, my calling is Brazil. But anyway, three days later, I was in my little office there at the house, and I put my hands on the global, on the, on the map, and uh, all of a sudden it jumped out at me that there are 10 countries all over the world that speak Portuguese, over 350 million people that speak Portuguese. And just in the continent of Africa alone, you have five countries that speak Portuguese. You have Cape Verde, you have Mozambique, you have Angola, you have Guinea-Bissau, then you have Tomé Me, Principe, that all speak Portuguese. And the hand of God is over the continent of Africa right now. And so I'm going to accelerate this and go, go fast. So three weeks later, I get a phone call from a young minister back in 1998. I had given him a oneness Jesus name baptism Bible study on my future father-in-law's front porch. That was an assembly of God pastor. Way to make a first impression. And so this young man ended up being a missionary to Cape Verde, Africa, through the Assembly of God. But six years ago, he was put out as a missionary. And then for two years, he had been praying that God would make a way for him to go back to Cape Verde. But while he would pray, he would see my face. And I had only seen him once in my whole entire life, in 1998. And he said, I don't know why I'm seeing you when I pray. He said, but I just wanted to call you. I said, well, I know why. That prophecy that God would give us the nations as an inheritance. Cape Verde speaks Portuguese. So, make a long story short, we baptized them in Jesus' name. Went to Cape Verde, Africa. We are there today. We have three preaching points. We have a church there. We have baptized already many, many, many people in Jesus' name. Just got back from there a month ago. And just like you all sent a 24-year-old couple, 23-year-old couple to Mexico, we also sent a 21-year-old couple to Cape Verde, Africa from Brazil that are there today doing a great work for god amen how many want to be used the lord today in these last days amen and then one year after that i was given online bible studies to a pastor in mozambique africa mozambique of course they speak portuguese along with 44 other tribal languages but as i'm giving this bible study through facebook messenger to this pastor Adrek, all of a sudden i look in the camera and he has tears coming down his cheeks and i'm giving this simple bible study search for truth And all of a sudden, he looks in the camera, and he says, missionary, when can you come to Mozambique and baptize my three churches in Jesus' name? Wow. So so we we make a long story short. We baptized 131. I sent three pastors from Brazil, baptized 131 people in Jesus' name. Then my family and I went last year in June. We baptized 133 in Jesus' name. And then in 2023, a total of 495 people baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> and just this morning, just this morning, 2.30 in the morning here in my motel, I was online live with the people from Mozambique, and Pastor Ernesto from the capital city of Maputo calls me, and he says, missionary, he said, we've been winning people, we've been winning churches to the truth, and right now, folks, as I'm speaking to you, we are in the process of getting ready to prepare to go to Mozambique to baptize 18 Trinitarian churches in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hot off the press. That's what I just found out this morning. Amen. And so around s- six to 700 people altogether that are waiting to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so I'm going to show you just a real quick presentation. We also have churches in Malawi, right on the border of Mozambique. We baptized four Trinitarian pastors from the Assembly of God from Malawi. We also have church eight churches in Kenya. In the city, around the city of Kisumu. Kisumu is where Barack Obama is from. Forget what I just said, okay? I don't know if Obama is better or Biden is better. Let's just show, let's just show the, the pictures, Rick. It'd be a lot better, huh? Amen. We also have two churches in Buenos Aires, Argentina. There's my double happy meal. This is just some of the churches in Brazil, South America, eight different states. Brazil is actually larger than the continental United States of America. To get from my city to the capital of Amazon called Manaus takes 84 hours to get to Manaus from my city. But right now as we speak, we do have eight, what you call in America, home missions churches going. Brand new areas of Brazil. There are areas of Brazil still today that have never, ever, ever heard this wonderful Jesus name message. We are also in the process of building three churches in Brazil as we speak right now. Also in the process of building three churches in Mozambique. And also a church in Cape Verde, Africa. A total of 103 churches all together representing six different countries. This is in the Amazon. If you like alligator, that's it right there. We also support a missionary couple in Cape Verde. Our churches from Brazil support them. Aren't you glad to be a part of a great church tonight? The Bible says there is not a speech nor a language where their voice is not heard. Amen. Altogether, 2023, we baptized 155 people in Jesus' name in the country of Brazil. This is in the Atlantic Ocean, just at a brand-new home missions work. Pastor Marcelo and his wife, we just baptized some people there in Jesus' name right there in the Atlantic Ocean. This is in the Amazon. baptized two Trinitarian churches in Jesus' name in Brazil the year 2023 as well. Brazil's population is 205 million people. This is Pastor Eliseu in the city of Buenos Aires, Argentina, the land of Javier Milie. Mozambique, only two countries in the world have a, fl- a gun on their flag. Mozambique's one of them and in Guatemala. This was our trip back in June. We baptized 133 people in Jesus' name. Pastor Jason Vanloon from Indiana was with us. Mozambique fourth poorest country in the world. Speak over 40 different languages. We're building three churches there right now as we speak. like rat? That's rat. That makes you hungry for BJ's, McRat, or McDonald's McRat after church, huh? This is the only document they had was their baptismal certificate. They have no ID except for a baptismal certificate. That's the best ID you can have, baptized in Jesus' name. Are there, Malawi, for pastors are going to be baptized in Jesus' name. This is Cape Verde, it's on the northwestern coast of s- northwestern Africa. This was just a month ago, we were just there, some people in Jesus' name, establishing a church. This is a young couple that we just sent. Cape Verde, they speak Portuguese and also Criollo, Cabo Verdeano. Total population is five hundred and fifty thousand people. There are more Cape Verdeans that live out of the country than they do in the country. Kenya, there it is, the land of Bar- never mind Kisumu. Eight churches getting baptized, two Trinitarian churches in Jesus' name. And we have Malawi right on the border of Mozambique. Four pastors there. Then there's my family. I miss them so much. Let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Over 6,500 languages around the world today, and there's a God who understands every language, every dialect, and I'm so glad that he understands us tonight here in Bakersfield, California. Amen. So wrapping my trip up, go back to Brazil next Friday, pray for me as I go back, leave tomorrow morning from Los Angeles for Florida, then wrap it up in Florida, head to Brazil Friday. And as we are wrapping up our trip, we do ask this church to pray for our many, many projects, uh, building, like I said, seven churches all together, but one of the most most, I'm not, I can't say important, but one of the projects we're truly trying to reach out after is one of the churches in Mozambique made out of sticks. You probably saw it in the picture, where Brother Van Loo's holding up a chicken. That's our most remote church that we have. We went two hours and 20 minutes by motorcycle taxi. And uh, they actually scared the elephants away before we got there. And, uh, but right there was no electricity. 95 people that we could count were crammed in that little stick church. And they were worshiping God. Only had a little drum, beaten, just a little drum this big. But the presence of God was there. People got the Holy Ghost. And our intentions are to try to raise the funds in the United States this trip to build that block church. And in that area of Mozambique, we can build that church for around $6,500 U.S. So just pray these last few services that we are in that God can. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, 6000 Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I I would
1: just do it from the church side. Sometimes when I do that, some people say you you took our blessing. We wanted to contribute. So does anybody want to give to that? If if uh, Brother Jordan, if you take uh, track of this, all right. So um, why don't you just stand if you want to give to that? Six thousand dollars will build a church. Stand real quick. If that's something you want to do, and let's let's uh, see if we can't raise the the funds here. All right. So. Um, it's probably gonna be more than that. You have something else you're doing? Okay. All right. So Brother Coffin, hundred dollars. $1, A thousand, Brother Brock? You can sit down when you give your, your deal. What? Two hundred dollars? A hundred? A $1, thousand? A thousand? Five hundred? Five hundred. All right, Sister Corinne, let's, let's go. Two hundred? One hundred? 100, 500, 500, 100, 50, 100, 100. 1,000. Okay. Sister bottle. 200, 500, 500, 500, 100, 500, 500, 200. 1,000. Okay. Alfred 500 risk got this section city 100 100 500 200 2000 100 200 50 100 100 1000 200 200 100 100 200 Joe, 500. You're talking about a 5-1 fireball. She's right there. What's that? 100. Sorry, Sister Lelina. Next time, maybe you stand on the pews. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sound booth. Uh, all right, Serena. 100. 100. 200. 500. 200. 500. 200. 500. All right? 700, 400, 500, 200, 100, 500, 500, 100, 100, 100, 200, 50, 100. I miss you too? I'm sorry. <laughs> 500. All right. Yeah, so you're, you're building that church, but you're also working on seven other churches. So while they're t- tallying that up there, you're from Brazil. So how, how are you even funding seven churches? Because Brazil, the economy is not the best, right?
0: We don't, we, our, our, our 65 churches, we do uh, teach them foreign missions. This is a new process, but we are supporting that couple in in Cape Verde uh, right at, uh, in Brazilian money, it's 4,000 Brazilian reais, so that's about 850 U.S. dollars a month, and also our churches are raising money right now. We're also building, I didn't say this, this is extra, but we are establishing our first ever, just started two weeks ago tomorrow, we have our uh, New Bethel Apostolic Bible School in the Portuguese language. Where we, are, we have 113 students in Brazil, and we're also kicking that off in Mozambique in June of this year. Our churches just put together uh, 6000 Brazilian dollars and bought a piece of property to build our future Apostolic Bible School on. This is, this is the
1: Brazilian people doing that. So uh, tell us about how is the economy good there, bad there? How, how, how are they coming up with that kind of money?
0: The Brazilian economy was, until we just got our socialist president, one of the eighth largest economy in the world. There are churches in South Brazil that are very, I won't say well-off, but they are very uh, balanced and established churches. So we are in, in most areas. Now, northeast Brazil, where I live, it's the poorest area of Brazil. I'm in the second poorest state in the whole country. But when you put that all together, we are able to put that together and do certain things for foreign missions. Awesome, awesome.
1: awesome. That's exciting. So what was the Total. 23,500, let's give God thanks for that, praise God, (laughs) hallelujah, we need to stand
2: and thank God, we need to stand and thank God for that, hallelujah, thank you Lord for your greatness and your goodness, we'll keep our hand open so the blessings flow through us, we want to be involved in missions around the world, we want to see God do great things, we give you praise and we worship you and we magnify your great name.
0: Be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Through Pastor Bradford. That's fine. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Now. I'm just going to be transparent here. My second service in America was in a little tiny city called Versailles, Kentucky. And a man that I do not even know, he came up to me and he said, Brother Thompson, he said, You are going to be blessed this trip from people that you do not even know. And it just happened tonight. <laughs>
3: wow. Wow.
0: Wow. 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 Whew, thank you, Jesus. I got robbed <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> this is wild. Do I have time? All right. I got robbed Thursday. I had about a four-hour little space that I could do something. So I was by myself, and I preached in Fremont, uh, California, Wednesday night. And we had to be at a podcast Thursday night in Sacramento. And I had about four hours. So I drove over to Pier 35, 39, 30-whatever-it-is, Alcatraz Landing. And I just bought my ticket to go to the 11 o'clock tour. And uh, it was 10.35. I still have the ticket. And uh, I went to the street, bought a Mexican street taco. man. I love them. And, and I had parked in an open-air parking lot uh, right in front of Pier 35 where there was no other cars. My car was the only one there. And I hid my backpack that had every document that I own except for my driver's license and this billfold that was right here. And I hid the backpack under the seat. So I was eating my taco there, and all of a sudden something said, go back, get your backpack, and then go to the 11 o'clock tour. So I looked over at my car 50, 60 yards away, and my glass was broke out. Was like, all oh, bummer. And so I knew exactly what had happened. So I got there, and sure enough, they had found my backpack, crammed under that seat, and it had my iPad. It had my passport, my Brazilian residency card, and I cannot get out of America without my passport resi- Brazilian residency. So <laughs> frantically, I, I went to the North Beach uh, police station, put in for the, uh, whatever you call it, the report. I forget the name you call it. Police report. Then ran to the airport, uh, changed my car out. Then I had to be at, before 4 o'clock, I had to be at the passport agency in San Francisco to try to get my passport renewed emergency. When I got there, they turned me down. I had to have an uh, an online appointment. So I decided to spend the night in San Francisco to go the next morning. So while I'm in the parking lot with a different car now, I'm in that same parking lot in the same parking space that I got robbed. I'm just on the look. And I get this phone call from Brother Joel Booker. And he says, Brother Thompson, he said, I got something weird going on. I needed to call you, et cetera. And I said, What's going on? He said, I have this lady named Lane Clifford in San Francisco that called our church and even texted us. And she says, She's saying that she has your backpack. He said, Are you in the United States or where are you in Brazil? Where are you at? And I said, I'm at Pier 35. Right in San Francisco. He said, you've got to be kidding me. And so he gave me her number, gave me her email, and I, do, I was not trusting. It was international crime. I'm not touching, getting near these people. And in Brazil, if somebody finds your billfold with your credit cards, what they'll do is they'll say, hey, I've got your billfold. Come get it. And when you get there, at gunpoint, they will actually get all your passwords, and then they'll do what you call in America a "zell." We call it "pix" from one account to the other. They'll clean you. Right at gunpoint, they can kill you or just let you go. So I said, I'm not getting near these people. They could be from 10 bucks to you know, blah, 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 and all this stuff. So I run to the same North Beach uh, police station, and I tell them all this stuff. And they said, no, no, she's a legit. You can go get your backpack, blah, blah, blah. So I gave them the phone number. I gave them her address. And I said, now, if anything happens to me, <laughs> you know where she is. So I go to this area called Parker Heights or something like that. Real nice neighborhood, and I I see her from a distance. I look at her picture, and there, sure enough, there she is. She's not international, and uh, I walk up to her, and she says, "I said, ma'am, I think I've known you forever." She said, "Well," she said, "I was walking home from from work today. She's a tour tour guide, and she said, as I'm walking home in a little bit of rain, there was two backpacks on the curb, and I picked them up and I took them home because it was raining. When I opened the first one, it was a." young girl, had her phone number, had her ID, had everything there, and I called her, and sure enough, one, la- one hour later, she was here, but she said, I couldn't find you for nothing. She said, I didn't understand all that paper you had in your, your backpack. It wasn't Spanish, and it wasn't French. It was something else. And I said, it's Portuguese. She said, no wonder, and then she said, I found your passport. I said, oh, but she said, I just Googled you. And the first thing that popped up was Inland Lighthouse Church in Rialto, California. And your mugshot was on their, on their foreign missions website. She said, I called the church, and now we're here. And so I had 113 ministers. Don't tell me that prayer does not change things. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I had 113 ministers back in Brazil praying around the clock that I could find my password to get back to Brazil and my family. And so I'm sitting there, and I said, ma'am, I said, you are the good Samaritan that God used. And right there, Pastor Bradford, I said, ma'am, Ms. Clifford, I said, is there something that I can do to recompense you for what you've just done? And I said, are you, are you religious? She said, yes, sir. I said, well, I said, 113 ministers were praying for this to happen. I was was expecting the bandits to come with their hands behind their back and say, here's your backpack. But God used you, the good Samaritan. And right there, she started crying, church. The Holy Ghost right there under the little bit of rain that was raining down that sidewalk. The Holy Ghost fell right there. We begin to pray. She began to cry. feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know what? God allows things to happen. That's, That's why the Bible says all things Work together for the good. Amen. So out of that, I got my passport back. I lost my iPad, my electronics. But just yesterday morning at the, I don't know what you call it, Cupertino, California, the global headquarters for Apple, I got a brand-new, state-of-the-art 12.9-inch iPad. So thank you, bandits, whoever you are. Amen. I had a $250 mini iPad from, I think it was generation zero. <laughs> it was begging to be stolen. Let's all stand to our feet, if we will, in Jesus' name. Wow, I'm, as you say in English or German, whatever it is, I'm flabbergasted. Wow, I am flabbergasted by what just happened. Thank you so much, and uh, you just don't know how much that mean, means, to me, means to me. Thank you so much. Let's open up our Bibles, if we will, the book of John, chapter 4. I have been in the States right at two weeks now, so I'm speaking English a little bit better. But uh, just for a few minutes, I just want to lay what's on my heart tonight in Jesus' name. I think what I'm going to preach tonight coincides with what just happened with me. Everybody found it. Say amen. Book of John, chapter 4, verse 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, in parentheses, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. Now, verse 3, it says, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And then in verse 4, as we all know, the Bible says, And he must needs go through Bakersfield, California. Everybody say, man. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. Let's ask God to speak to us in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, Lamb of God, we thank you, Lord, to be in your house tonight, God, gathered together in one mind and one accord. We thank you, Lord, for what we've already felt and for what we are feeling and for your Shekinah glory that's in this place, God. We ask you, God, through what your word calls the foolishness of preaching to speak to us, to speak through us, and have your way in your precious name. Everybody say amen. Before you're seated, give your neighbor a Sunday night smile, Colgate smile. Look at them and say, Deus, abençoe, can be seated in Jesus' name. Whatever I just told my neighbor, my wife, my husband, huh? Amen. That means hope he gets done at 8 o'clock. No, that that means God bless you. Deus te bendiga. We say, Deus te abençoe in Portuguese. So you'll remember that next service night. You can remember Nacho Belgrande, but you can't remember Dils of Ensoy. Amen. So, amen. Just for a few minutes, I just want to preach on the subject a God who makes necessary detours. Amen. A God who makes necessary detours. There's nothing worse than when you're in traffic. Uh, Bakersfield's a small city compared to Los Angeles, but nothing worse than having to go through construction. Or detour. The word detour, I looked it up in the English language, it means a long or roundabout route or route, however you say that in California, that is taken to avoid something or to visit somewhere along the way. Uh, there is nothing more nightmarish. I just invented a word. Nightma- there's no worse nightmare than to when you're trying to get to the dentist at nine o'clock on the dot there's nothing worse than seeing that orange sign with those black letters with that french word detour oh it makes you aggravated and we are always on the run we have an appointment at this time and we're we're always trying to make ends meet and we're trying to be punctual and to be on time and there's nothing worse than detours there's nothing worse than being late and Not being on time. I remember back when I was still a single cheeseburger, Brother Garrett. And I was dating my future wife. And I was with my future brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And they took care of a church on the outskirts of the city of Sao Paulo. The second largest city in the world in a little village area called Francisco Morato. It was on a midweek. And it was about a 50-minute drive from the house to that church. And I remember on this Thursday night, my future brother-in-law and I, like all great men, we were in the vehicle waiting on the ladies. Now, I'm not going to go into that. There's nothing in my notes to say. So anyway, we're in the vehicle, and all of a sudden he gets impatient. He lays his hand on the, on the horn. Arrgh! And he yells, at, come on. And my future sister-in-law, she had a 10-month-old brat. I mean, baby. <laughs> screaming. She would only cry right when you didn't want her to. And snotty everywhere. And... My, f- my future brother-in-law, he had a 1984, now listen to this, 1984 two-door Chevy called a Chevechi that was silver, like this thing right here. It was silver, like it had been paint- hand-painted, it was an ugly car, uh, it ran on alcohol. You smelt like an alcoholic when you rode in it, uh, and it was a two-door, and he was laying on the horn. So, my future sister in law came out of the house with this screaming brat in one arm, with a diaper bag in another, a hot bottle here, and she was raging down the sidewalk like a raging bull. I was like, wow. But my beautiful future wife or the garret, my Patty, was right behind her and looked like a dancing uh, deer. <laughs> this is not in my notes either. Do not let my wife hear this. But anyway, uh, they get in the vehicle. She slams the door, my future sister in law. Boom! And the other door opens. Poof. I'm like, is this my future? <laughs> God help. And uh, I'm sitting there in the holy silence, and he turns the car on, and then all of a sudden the phone rings inside the house. And he gets out of the 84 alcoholic Chevy, walks down the sidewalk. And it's just nothing but silence. And all of a sudden, my future sister in law reaches over the front bench or the, uh, the seat and ah, she just drains the battery. Ah, come on! I'm like, oh boy. And they are teaching me so many lessons about marriage <laughs> or the Garrett. And so here comes my future brother in law, like a little whipped pup. His head down, gets in the vehicle, turns the car on, and for 40 minutes, there is no words. And I'm trying to to concentrate on the message I'm going to preach that night. Women, honor your husband. I don't know what I'm going to preach, man. I do not know. So about 15 minutes out of town, all of a sudden we see this orange sign, black letters, With the word desvio, which means a And do not ask me why. It's because of this message. It can only be. My future brother-in-law looks in the rearview mirror, points his finger after nine years of marriage, and he says, if it wasn't for you, we would not be late. I look at him and I say, you dumb dunce. What do you think? I'm not even married, man. I wouldn't tell that to my girlfriend. And so more silence. And we go the long route to Francisco Morato. S- 700, 800 meters from the, ver- from, the, from, the, from, the, from the entrance to the city, We see the, the traffic is lined up for 800 yards. And that takes the rest. You know how it is. It, it was already tense in the vehicle. But my... My brother-in-law and I get out of the vehicle. We walked down to the scene of the accident, folks. And right there, we saw five body bags. <clears throat> and a car that looked like a car was smashed like a recycled can between two trucks. And there were five body bags. There was four adults and one child. But as I'm looking at the accident, I pick up on it that this vehicle is a Chevy Chevette. And guess what color it is? Silver. I went over to the police, me and him, my my brother Alexander, and saw there that it was a 1984. And it also ran on ethanol, alcohol. So every characteristic about that vehicle and even unfortunately the ones that lost their lives had everything to do with us. But you know what it taught us? It taught us that day that there are things in life, folks, that we have no control over. And eternity will only be able to reveal how many times God has spared you and I from tragedy and even possible death. The Bible says that the angels of the Lord encamp. You don't see them. They encamp around about those who fear him. Amen. And I believe all my heart that that detour that day could have possibly do not know, spared us from being that vehicle that was crammed between two disgoverned vehicles. Amen. How many are glad for the detours that God has allowed in your lives? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We all know the story of the the woman at the well and how the Lord, it says in verse 3, that he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. But then in verse 4, it says he must needs, in the the KJV, in English, it said he must needs go through Samaria. In the Reina Valera, Reina Valera version in Spanish, it says necesario pasar por Samaria. In João Ferreira de Almeida version in Portuguese, it says Necessario Passar por Samaria. It was necessary for him to go through Samaria. Now that was, let's just say this, it was a detour for the Jewish people. That was not a route or a route that was taken by the Jews. They would not have preferred that road. But our God, he goes beyond cultural barriers. He does not look at the color of your skin. He does not look at the flag that that you represent. He looks at you as a soul that can be an impact in his kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But for us to understand this story... We have to go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 33, in verse 19 and verse 20. I'm going to read it real quickly. The Bible talks about our patriarch in 18. It says, Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan. I don't know how to say that in English, and pitched his tent before the city, and he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Amor. Shechem's father for a hundred pieces of money. But then in verse 20, the Bible says, and he erected there an altar and he even named that altar and he called it El Elohe Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. Jacob, when he bought that property and where his tent was, he erected an altar. And for every family, for every couple, for every individual here tonight, it is so important where our tents are is to also have an altar. A a tent without an altar will never be able to withstand what we go through in life. But aren't you glad for an altar prayer? Aren't you glad for a house of God? Aren't you glad for a great family of God, a great man of God. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands a little bit more tonight in Jesus' name. And so the Bible, it says, and I'm going to go through this as quick as I can. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his detour, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, which, be, which would be our modern-day noon Then cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Now, Jesus did not say good morning. The temperature is great. How was your breakfast? He just looked at her and he said, ma'am, give me to drink. God knows how to go right to the point. Amen. Give me to drink. Now, the disciples had gone away into the city to buy meat, but Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me? She knew him by his clothes, the blue border around his garment... She knew him by his accent, and she knew he was a Jew. But she said, how can you, being a Jew, ask, drink of me, being a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She is trying to give a history lesson, a cultural lesson to the Ancient of Days. You cannot tell the ancient of days nothing about history before, the, because the Bible says before Abraham was uh, I am. Hallelujah! He knows your words from afar off. Hallelujah! He knows your thoughts. Even what the Bible says, Jesus answered and said it to her, "Now, let's listen to verse ten. The Lord is going to reveal Himself in three different ways in this story, the longest story in the Bible, in the Gospels, where Jesus is speaking with someone." But she has no name, and she is a sinner woman. But this is where John emphasizes so many different things. But the Bible says, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So Jesus reveals himself first as living water. Now, we're not talking about H2O in a bottle made by crystal geyser, geyser, whatever it's called here. Crystal geyser, amen. This is H2O. But Jesus said living water. He reveals himself to the Samaritan woman, first of all, as the living water. Now, all of us tonight have a testimony. I was born in Pentecost. I I was raised in apostolic message. I never drunk in my life. I never smoked in my life. I've never done nothing terrible in my life. The closest I got to alcohol was Kool-Aid and Starbucks, double shot. But anyway, this woman went to the well, Pastor Bradford, every day at the noon hour. It was not common for anybody to go to Jacob's well at the noon hour. They would either go in the morning or they would go in the late afternoon. But why do people today on the streets of Bakersfield, California have alcohol in their hands? They are trying to find an alternative to life at the bottom of their water pot, of the bottom of that alcohol bottle, in the meth, in the cocaine, in the marijuana, and the different drugs that they try to find. They are trying to find a solution for their temporary situation. There are many in here tonight at the sound of my voice uh, that you used to be an alcoholic. You used to do your drugs. You may have been into gangs. You may have done this and that, and you're afraid to even speak. Speak of today but let me tell you something right now to the 12 tribes of this wonderful church family you've got a testimony that heaven rejoices with and hell is afraid of Woo! you are a nightmare to hell but you're a dream to heaven. Let me tell you something God brought you out of darkness into this marvelous light to let the world know if God can set me free from alcohol, if God can take the drugs out of my system and put the word of God in my heart that I may not sin against thee, He can do it for you, ma'am. He can do it for you, sir. There is a God that makes necessary detours. Well, let's love the Lord tonight. Let's worship him. Let's lift our voice. God, you've done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. But what I can tell, I promise to do it. My God, my God, my God, my God. Woo. So let me get on down with verse 11. The woman then said to him, sir. Thou hast nothing to draw with. God, the Lord didn't take no ropes to draw water with. He was the living water. And she says, the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that, oh God, she says it. Hast thou that living water? She did not say water. She listened to what he said. How can you draw this living water? Wow. then, Then she gives this history lesson to the ancient of days again. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? But Jesus answered in verse 13 and said, Whosoever drinketh of this water of Jacob's well is going to thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I, I, oh Lord, the living water, that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well. Of water springing up into everlasting life. Mm. Now listen to verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that you are talking about. Now once you listen to the words, she said you may have never picked up on this in your life before. But she says these words, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She was not talking about this. She was talking about the reason she went to the well at the noon hour to try to flee from reality, the sinful life that she was living. That's why the taverns are full. That's why the honky-tonks are full. People trying to find solutions for the tragedy that they have caused in their lives. But aren't you glad for an apostolic church? Aren't you glad for an apostolic altar? Hallelujah. You did not need, an Al- you did not need Alcoholics Anonymous class. Oh, Hallelujah, I want to say that again. You did not have to go through the sessions of being going step by step to get away from alcohol, when you gave your life to God, when you repented of your sins at that apostolic, that AA, that apostolic altar, Hallelujah, There was a new man walking in your shoes. You didn't go the places you used to go. You didn't say what you used to say. You didn't drink what you used to drink. You didn't smoke what you used to smoke. There's a new creature. Oh, thanks. If you're a visitor in this house tonight, let me tell you something. The spring, the living water is in the house tonight. You don't have to depend upon alcohol. You don't need drugs. You don't need cigarettes. You don't need worldly music to try to sing your blues away. But there's a one God, apostolic church, that is here tonight to embrace you and let you know that you're not here in vain there's a detour that God's caused to bring you here tonight oh let's clap our hands and love the Lord tonight church oh I feel the Holy Ghost I feel his presence there's a God who architects detours can be seated in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah Jesus said okay ma'am Go call thy husband and come hither. Why was she going to the well at noon? What he just told her. Five husbands. She said, sir, I have no husband. Jesus said, thou hast said well. I have no husband for thou hast had five. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. So now she knows that he is the living water. But she also realizes that he's a prophet. Because he just read her like a Bassmaster magazine. Just read her life, bam, like a magazine. Can you imagine the doodads that go down her spine and through her body? as she's looking at a Jew that is reading her like a book. How many remember the first time you came to church and the preacher, the pastor was preaching? And you started... Nubbing your neighbor that you invited you to church. Say, what have you been talking about before to the pastor? No, you weren't gosping. The, did, 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 the Holy Ghost, right there, designed a detour that he could be a prophet and read right into right and speak right into your life. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is in this place tonight. Hallelujah. There's a God making a necessary detour tonight. Hallelujah. Thou, said the woman, I perceive that thou are a prophet. Then she goes into another history lesson. Our father's worshiped this mountain, okay? You say that in Jerusalem is a place. She's a Samaritan, hard-headed Samaritan. Over a thousand years of bickering. Who's better than the other? So in verse 25, now listen to this. The woman saith unto him. Now get this. Put your feet into her sandals right here. The woman said to him, sir, I know that one day that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. Now, when he has come, I'm gonna use my Thompson Chain Bible, okay? No pun intended. You got it, didn't you? She's probably looking at him saying, okay, everything you're telling me, I've heard around the table, and everything you're saying, this one called the Messiah, the Christ, is going to tell us. Once again, the detour is being revealed to us. Amen. And so Jesus, now listen to this. Jesus said to her, wake up and smell the coffee. (laughs) I that speak unto thee am he. He reveals himself as the living water, the prophet. And now he reveals himself to the Samaritan world through a sinner lady. He did not go to the city county building. He did not go to the fancy mall. He did not go to the the big temple in the area. He went to Jacob's well. But what did Jacob do when he put his tent and bought the property? He erected an altar. Who had the Samaritans been waiting on? They had been waiting on the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But what did Jacob name the altar so many years before that? El Israel, the God, the God of Israel. So when Jesus reveals himself to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, Jesus is telling her, ma'am, I am God manifest in flesh. I am the God of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. I am the one, Lord. I'm so glad I know who Jesus is tonight. He's not the second person in divine lie, but he is God Almighty, robed in flesh. Woo! hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My, my, my. Now, let me get on down the road with this. And so he reveals himself, I am, I am, I that speak unto thee of thee. Now listen to this, folks. This will rock our world. But the Bible says, and upon this came his disciples in marvel that he talked with the woman, yet no man asked what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The disciples had just came back from the city and bought groceries at Costco. They had waited in a line to buy food and did not give one church card, did not tell anybody, hey, you know the Christ you've been waiting for? He's down at Jacob's well. So the Bible says in verse 28, the woman then left, not the living water, the woman then left her Water pot behind her. And she did, where did she go? Into the same city. She walked over the prints, the footprints of the disciples who had just came back with the grocery bags. And she went into the city and she got to the town square. She was an outcast of society, most likely. People despised her because of her life. But the Bible says she went on her way into the city and saith to the men. Can you imagine that day as she gets at the town square and she gets out her loud voice as loud as she could. And the Bible says that she said unto them, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. In other words, she was saying, you don't have to tell me about my past and my present. There is a man that I do not know from Adam that just read me like a book, and he told me everything that you know about me. But you know what? Could this be? Hallelujah. Listen to the words she says. The shot heard around the world. Well, this was the yell around the Samaritan world. She said, I indeed is not this, the Christ. So you can imagine the fingers that are pointed, the eyes that are like machetes wanting to judge her. All of a sudden they bow their heads. And the Bible says that they went out of the city and came unto Jesus at Jacob's well. El, Elohe, Israel, the God, the God of Israel. What happened? Hallelujah. He revealed himself to them as well. But the Bible says, in the meanwhile, disciples prayed, saying, Master, please eat. But we all know that Jesus did not come just to go out of his way. But there was a detour that he made that day in order to bring a revelation not to just a lady and salvation for a sinner lady, but he brought his identification to the Samaritan people. Hallelujah. That's when the Bible says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. I'm going to go back and say what I said a while ago. You are heaven's dream and the and hell's nightmare. The Bible says that they overcame by the word of their testimony. I never did any filthy sin in the, in this world, but I've got a testimony of God's grace and mercy. You may be the worst sinner in this building tonight. You may have killed people. You may have done this and done that, but there is a God where sin doth abound. His grace is greater, and there much doth abound. God will make a to go after that one. Ma, you can see it in Jesus' name. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. Not one time do we read where God, where Jesus cast out demons, healed the sick, raised the dead. No. I believe all my heart, Pastor Bradford, for two days, Jesus was just there to reveal his identity. To the Samaritan people. The 1,000 year enmity I'm breaking that barrier right now. The great wall and divide is coming down. God used a sinner woman to become an evangelist. She took her, oh my God, she took her testimony to the town square and she let them know, is this not the Christ? I want to tell somebody tonight, there's people in this building, the sound of my voice, that only the Lord our God can do what he has done in your life. There were many here tonight that should be six feet under, but by God's grace and mercy, you are here and you've got a testimony to let the world know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Let's clap our hands one more time to the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. And many more believed because of his own word. Now listen, in the crowd that day at Jacob's well, the woman was there now. And they said unto the woman, now we believe not just because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. Oh. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world that made a detour. The reason for his detour, folks, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I know there's somebody in this multitude here tonight that somebody went out of their way to knock at your door. You were not supposed to be home that day. But God made that divine detour connection. And today you're here. You found that church card at a Goodwill in a pair of jeans that you bought. Don't ever give up planting the seed, church. If we plant the seed, God will give the increase. Mm. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. There are detours, and I'm almost coming to an end here. There are detours in your life and my life tonight that we do not understand. There are things that you're going through right now that you have more question marks than you have answers. There are more question marks than there are exclamation points. And there are questions that you're asking and sometimes even in your prayers and I let's correct ourselves, we all do this. Why? Where, when and how? We are speaking to a God that knows all things, and he has you in the palm of his hand. God allows certain things in our life, church. Let me just be real transparent here. There are things that maybe somebody on this side of the church is going through right now that you don't know why. But you're benefiting somebody on this side of the church because of your action, your reaction to what you're going through. You know, the Bible says in all things give what? Thanks. That's hard for us to swallow sometimes. We're going through our darkest valley. We don't know what's going to happen next. We've got to come to church and raise our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, anyway. It's hard. It's like a horse pill to swallow. But when we do come to church with a smile on our face, with our hands raised, there for prayer meeting, ready to hear the word of God, it's hard for our flesh. But we do know that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong and we are more than overcomers. We do not know why. It's why we go through some things in life, but there is a reason that God allows detours. God took the children of Israel 430 years roaming in a wilderness to benefit them from 70 people To over around 3 million people. He gave them miracles. They saw miracles and signs and wonders during their process. But they took possession of what God had promised them. There was a lot of detours for 430 years. But what a sweet day it is. When you make it to the other side. And you embrace that promise that God has given you. Child of God, don't give up tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's a detour that you're not understanding. Joseph didn't understand the detour of being thrown into a pit, being sold as a slave, being the overseer of Potiphar's home, being falsely accused, thrown into prison, revealing dreams, put as governor over Egypt, seeing his brothers bow down to him, he understood. Oh, wow. But he did not understand, church, the false accusations. He did not understand being sold off by his half-brothers. He did not understand the pits, Pastor Bradford. He did not understand being the governor or over the house of Potiphar. He did not understand all of that. And there are things in life, folks, that we will never understand. But if it's not for the pits, if it wasn't for the Potiphar's, if it wasn't for the prisons, if it wasn't for the palaces, we would never be able to go and see what God has promised us. Oh, hallelujah. Plots, pits, potipers, prisons, and palaces are necessary for God's procedure, plan, and purpose. And I wrote this down in this little, uh, little office back here. I wrote this down just now. Detours do not change destinies. They only change the scenery from the known to the unknown. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I just wrote wrote, wrote a while ago. Detours do not change your destiny, church. Child of God, saint of God, young couple, family, individual, do not question God in your detour. There's a reason that you're going through it. Uh, when you get to the other side of your dilemma and your situation and you don't know why, uh, you're going to look back in the rear view mirror with all that smoke flying up uh, and you're going to look to the windshield right ahead of you and you're going to say, God, uh, I did not understand then, but I understand now. While I was going through that, God, uh, I didn't have the audacity to thank you anyway. But now I understand. Uh, Hallelujah. Can we clap our hands to the Lord tonight in Jesus' name? Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm closing with this. 2014, I was, 2013, sorry. I was going through a very... Crucial point in my life, my ministry, et cetera, et cetera. And praying for revival. And at that exact time, there was a ex-pastor, and his wife, that had moved from a big city to the interior where we live, about an hour from where I live. And she had moved out there, the pastor's wife had moved out there to literally take care of her mother that was uh, bedfast. And one Wednesday Morning, I went out there, Pastor Bradford, and it was a long ways out there. You say in the sticks or in the boonies, whatever you call it in California. Can you find on GPS? The GPS had question marks. And I was driving out there five miles an hour, dirt roads, bumpy roads, holy roads, full of hose. We call it Swiss cheese highway. And I was driving out there, and I said, Lord, have mercy, where do these people live? And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, there's a voice that's audible, practically audible, that says, I have much people in this city. I was by myself, and I was like, wow, who just said that? And I'm not in a city. I'm out in the middle of the fields. Tobacco. I didn't see a soul. I said, okay. <laughs> have much people in the city, okay? All right. So I get there. We have a good time. visit them. And while I'm there, I said, Brother Manuel Sterling, Australia, I really feel challenged by God to just pray over you that you will win souls in this city, village, boonies, sticks. Because God never transports a child of God from one place to another without a divine reason. And so I'm praying there, and all of a sudden, we just feel the Holy Ghost start crying, prophesying, Jesus' name it's going to happen, God, we're going to win souls. And I just, I said, next Saturday we're going to come here and we're going to have a service with our young people. We're going to bring our speakers and our instruments. We're going to have an outdoor service here in your community. Let's invite everybody we can. That was on a Wednesday. So the next day, Thursday, I get a phone call at about around noon. I'm taking my kids, kids from school. And she calls me, and she, you'd have to know her. She's like a pack of dynamite. She talks a thousand miles a minute. Talks so fast. You can't understand her sometimes. And she's just a pack of dynamite. she said, I'm on the phone. Missionary. missionary." I said, yes, what's going on? She said, we just got done with outreach. Great. Okay. And she says, we knocked on every door in the vicinity of our home where we're living. And not one person promised to come to service Saturday night. Great. She said, but as we're walking home. As we're walking home, we run into this lady at about 11:30 and she's just trying to walk and she's drunk. And we were so desperate to pray for somebody. We just stopped her right there in her tracks and said, "Ma'am, can we pray for you?" And she said, "Sure." Sure. And they laid hands on her right there at 11:30 in the morning under the 95 degree sun, and they prayed for her, and she became demon possessed. She started slide, slithering, I said in English slithering, on the ground like a snake. And they cast the demons out about 30, 35 minutes or so. she came back to herself. She said, "What just happened to me?" And they said, "Ma'am, you just came into encounter with God. He's got something to do in your life. Come to find out Miss Irene was the town tobacco field, town drunk. 63 years old, seven different relationships, 16 children, dozens of grandchildren, had been cut, had been stabbed. She had stabbed. She had been put in jail. She was tough for five foot two, but she's, they said, ma'am, we want to invite you to church next Saturday night at our house. Will you come? She said, I'll be there. folks." There is people right now at the sound of our voice that you know, people that can change an entire community by their testimony. Where they work, where they live. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna accelerate this. We got to service that night. We went door knocking with the young people. And I got there about an hour before service, and I was putting out our white plastic chairs, our speaker systems, et cetera. And I looked over at one of the lawn chairs in the very back where our, we we're going to have our service and there was a lady sitting there with a bandana around her head real short lady, and she kind of smiled at me she said are you the missionary i said yes ma'am she said nice to meet you she came up to me and she said i am missy Danny. she says i'm the lady that brother Manuel and sister eliachi ran to last last thursday she said i was drunk now she didn't say drunk as a skunk cuz we don't say that in portuguese Don't ask me why you say a drunk is a skunk. I've never seen a drunk skunk. But she says, I was the town drunk missionary. But she said, from the moment that whatever happened to me last Thursday till right now, I have not even looked for or even desired to drink alcohol. I got those doodads when she said that. Let's all stand to our feet if we will. She said, missionary, she said, I don't know what happened. I don't know how to explain it. But she said, all I do know is that I hate alcohol now. We had that service that night, Pastor Bradford. We had eight people repent of their sins that night. One of her grandsons come up to me and give me a 38 gun, 38 caliber. He said, missionary, he said, since I repented, I don't need to have this anymore because I'm a bandit. I don't need this gun anymore. I put it in my, put it in my uh, coat pocket like, wow and then on the other side of the altar there was a 60, 65 year old man, one of her ex seven and he came to me and give me a brown, brown little baggie and he said missionary I just repented of my sins I don't need this anymore I didn't ask what was in it I just put it in my other pocket come to find out it was marijuana so I had marijuana here and I had a 38 here And a 66 right here. And all of a sudden, Pastor Bradford, oh God, I saw the birthing of an apostolic church because of a town drunk. I feel the Holy Ghost right now, church. God. A town drunk that everybody hated her guts. I gotta say this, and I'm closing right now. The following Saturday, I went back, and she had invited me. She said, "Missionary, can you please come to my house? I want you to visit my home." I said, "Sure." The following Saturday, I went back with a Bradford.
3: I never will forget this.
0: I walk into her home, pitiful house, no furniture, hardly just two plastic chairs. She made me some coffee. We call it Brazil 10W40. So they don't, they don't uh, strain it every say it? And I'm drinking this 10W40 coffee. She said, missionary, she said, Saturday night, you was preaching, and said in your, in your message that everything we do in word or deed, do it in Jesus' name. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, can you come help me do something? I said, sure. I didn't know what she wanted. But she opened this little curtain to a little room where there were 12 crates of beer bottles full of beer. She grabbed one by its neck, walked out to her sidewalk, Pastor Bradford, and she grabbed that bottle, and she <coughs> broke it on the side of the sidewalk, and beer poof, went everywhere. And she said, in Jesus' name, wow. Wow. I have never seen audacity ever in my life from anybody like I saw from an ex-town drunk that day. Then she looked over at me and she said, Here, do do one for me as well. I said, Really? She said, Yes. And so phew, beer went everywhere. 12 crates of 12 bottles. That's 144 bottles of beer on the wall. But together that day, church, we broke 144 bottles of beer in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Today, because of her, oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost right. Because of her testimony. There is a One God Apostolic Church there today. We bought the bar. Pastor Daniel McDonald from Shelbyville, Indiana, sent us the $14,000. And we bought the bar that we closed down. We got all their clients. Woo! hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That church today now has two daughter works. Why? Because we serve a God who makes necessary detours. Why don't we just lift our voice? Let's lift our hands. I want you to thank him tonight. In any way that you know how, saint of God, visitor in this house, I want you to lift your voice. Put the verbiage that you know how to express to God and let him know, God, I appreciate you for the detours. Let's lift our voices and love the Lord tonight in Jesus.
3: We
2: in the middle of that. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're in the middle of that. I thank you, Jesus. There's a miracle coming. It may feel like I'm not on the pathway, that I'm in a detour mode. Praise God, but I'm trusting in you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm trusting in you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift up our hands one more time? Let's make one more push tonight. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We receive the word of God tonight. We absorb it into our spirit.
3: Hallelujah. You're the God that goes
2: out of your way to meet us.
3: At the point of our need.